Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with me, Mike Golick Jr. With me, as always, Brandon Newman. What's going on, Brandon? Oh, nothing. It's just Friday. It is. We made it. It's an exceptional Friday. And you guys know on Friday, we tend to have some familiar faces around here. Going to be a fun day. We got my dad, Mike Golick Sr., the co-host of Golick and Smetty, wherever you get your podcasts. Stopping by. Plenty to get into in the NFL. A bunch of old-timers deciding to hang it up, which means we have to bring in our resident old-timer. We also get (laughs) what I think my dad was put on this earth to do. His power ranking of the top five TV dads, which no one watches more TV than my dad. He is, I think, a pretty exceptional dad and has been doing so for about 32 years. So he's got the requisite experience. This is going to be him in his element, Brandon. So we can get to all the football and all the goods with dad. We've also got a first in the Scripps National Spelling Bee to touch on. But before we get there, I have to ask you a very important question as we sit here on Friday Staring down the home stretch, you and I both ready to be whisked away to Notre Dame to go and battle it out at our 10-year college reunion. I don't think you're worried about that. Are you at all worried now about your Golden State Warriors in five gentlemen's sweep prediction in the NBA Finals? Because Lord <laughs> Almighty, the Boston Celtics came out in that fourth quarter and whooped that they get a 120-108 win on the road at Oracle, and I think everyone's a little shell-shocked after this one. I'd imagine you at the front of that line. Yeah, yeah, especially since I passed out at halftime and uh, saw that final score, and I was like, oh, okay, uh, something happened. Yeah, that something that happened was Al Horford and Derek White 
went absolutely insane in this game. So Al Horford, I believe, hits a career-high six three-pointers in this game. Six of eight from beyond the arc. I said the elbows out three-pointers should be the new NBA logo after this game because in his first NBA Finals appearance, Al Horford went off. And then Derek White also went for a season-high five three-pointers made in this game to give them 21 Him and Al Horford matching the effort from Jalen Brown on a really off night for Jason Tatum. And uh, Brandon, I was a Warriors and six guy and remain so because like we heard from Draymond Green after the game, those were season high numbers for Derek White. Career high numbers, I believe, at least in the postseason, maybe in the regular season as well for Al Horford from beyond the arc. Like even Marcus Smart joined in on that party. It was an epic collapse. They outscored the Warriors 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter. I understand Jason Tatum played poorly by anyone's standard, but especially by his three of 17 from the field. I know that's going to find its level. I also think the Celtans dominance from three point uh, from three point land in that spot isn't necessarily something I'm counting on holding at that pace. I think there's regression right. to the mean there. And I think by and large, the Warriors looked like they were in control of this game. Steph Curry might have been limping around a little at the end. I know the broadcast was speculating if he stubbed a toe or tweaked an ankle there late in the game. But I, I still think the way he came out of the gate and what that team's capable of over the long course of this series, I'm going to count on them not panicking because that was the weird part. They seemed a little panicked and unsure who was going to go and get the bucket in the fourth quarter. I think that's going to subside for Golden State. I think Water will find its level and they'll end up being the better team over the course of six games, but that's going to require a much better effort from Draymond Green, who offensively was just dreadful tonight. last night. There's no other way to really put it. Yeah, no, I, I when Draymond Green was having his struggles while also having his uh, successes in podcasting, I was like, see, there's, there's a balance to everything. Yeah, he can't he can't be doing all these wonderful numbers and this audio uh, platform and also be getting buckets in the in the NBA Finals. So he had his slump. I think that was that was clear. He did have but his I, yeah. He did have ahead, his slump no, for sure. I just think that you're right balanced as all things should be to quote the insane titan thanos i also think there was another factor in this that we probably need to be aware of acknowledge and treat with the respect that it deserves Derek white has pulled the fred van vliet now in the postseason yes where he became a father and is now endowed with the power of dad strength and brandon listen as a two-time father yourself and as a young man who already came into life pretty strong you could speak to the power of dad strength and what it does for a person. I want to read different. you. I want to read you these numbers, courtesy of George Bolek from uh, Nesson. This is Derek White's postseason splits: BC and AH, before child and after Hendricks, the mm. name of his child. Yes, Derek White in the playoffs before child: thirty-five percent from the field, twenty-four percent from three, six point seven points per game. Derek White after Hendricks, 44% from the field, 35% from three, 11.4 points per game. Dad strength is going to be a factor in this series, and right now it is Derek White and Al Horford battling, battling it out for finals MVP. I love that. And also, I, Al, Al Horford looked his age a little bit uh, in, the, in the game. I saw the way he was jogging. It looked very uh, – you know, shuffling to get some pudding, uh, but uh, 
He clearly he clearly can still stroke it. He clearly found the pudding, and it tastes really good. <laughs> it tastes really good. So it, what this seems like going forward, because the Celtics defense after the first quarter looked like it was as advertised. We talked about Jason Tatum not showing up. Him and Draymond Green, both for their respective teams, had the down night. Obviously, Jason Tatum comparatively more important, and you got the rare bit of role players stepping up in a big way on the road, which is uncommon in the postseason, as is a good close game the way this was for the majority of the time, with lead changes and actual uncertainty down the stretch of the fourth quarter. So, Brandon, has this shaken you off, Warriors in five? It's surprising as hell. I know that. I I I I'm, I'm v- applaud the Boston Celtics for stealing one, uh, especially in that environment uh, to begin the finals, and you know all the storylines about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown playing basketball while the uh, are playing in college while the Warriors were starting their their dynasty. I don't know. It it, it feels a little. I should be afraid, but I don't think. But I'm not because I do think that they'll they'll turn it on. But the different things that were, were the reasons why I was skeptical of you know Curry explosion in one quarter, silence the rest of the game. You know, I I, I wish I would have seen a lot more, but I think it's really going to come down to these matchups and and I like I like the matchups for the Warriors a lot. Like this Wiggins Jalen Brown. Saga, I, I'm, I'm excited to continue to watch that. Yeah, it's an incredible matchup. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is just such an effortless mutant athletically. I I don't know. Again, I, I think I'm still going to be deferential. Like, the Warriors are not going to panic in this spot. You've already heard that from the quotes after the game from a lot of their stars. They've been here losing one game like this at the beginning of the series, even though it is their first home loss during this year's postseason. They've seen and experienced damn near everything the postseason has to offer, so I don't think they're going to be rattled, and I think you're going to see that added emphasis on finish from them, especially from Steph Curry. So much of that run for the Boston Celtics started with Steph on the bench, where normally Golden State's used to being able to turn the ball over to Jordan Poole for him to steer the ship while he's gone, and instead Golden State got cold at the worst possible time, and the Celtics made something like 10-plus straight shots and shot the lights out of the gym in a way that I just don't think they're going to be able to replicate. We saw in that last series against Miami, albeit a bit of a grittier, more physical series, they went long spells without competent offense. So an incredible showing with the Celtics. I think this is part of why we talked to Meany yesterday and a lot of people, there's a respect enough for them to believe that this series goes a long way. I still think the dubs get it done because I, I... I just don't see Draymond bottoming out to that extent again, and I think their fourth-quarter defense and the finishing from a guy like Steph Curry is going to be much improved as we go through the rest of this series. So Celtics steal game one. This thing is officially a series because we had someone a win away from their home court in game one, so that's always exciting. Less exciting, it appears my beloved sons, the Edmonton Oilers, might be a touch-out classed. At this point in the NHL postseason, uh, that one did not go well for Connor McDavid, who I have sold to everyone who would listen. Colorado gets a 4 nothing win in Game 2 in the Western Conference Final. They lead that series 2 nothing, And so I am starting to get fearful that we may be looking in sweep territory or gentlemen sweep territory 
for the best player in my mind in professional hockey based on the limited sample size that I have watched, but the eye test, the all-important eye test that says he's a freak of nature. Yes, well, the eye test also told you that the uh, Colorado Avalanche was a freak of nature of a team and a juggernaut, and they're uh, proving to be just that. Yeah, uh, I think also we can give credit to uh, Shana Goldman who came on this podcast and was very pro-Avalanche in her analysis of the NHL postseason. What a surprise. Someone who bases their analysis in facts, data, and watching a whole lot of puck has probably gotten this one somewhat right. So uh, that certainly looks like it could be over a lot quicker than the series in the NBA. What will not be over quickly is a deep dive and analysis of the latest headlines in the NFL and the best dads in television history as we are joined next by Mike Golick Sr. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA finals? With the DraftKings Same Game Parlay, you can do just that. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 same game parlay and won over $5,000. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and then boom, you have a shot and even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code GOJO to make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code GOJO only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, he's back. Our Friday round robin featuring Stu Gotts and my dad has left us on the rotation that is related to me this week. What's up, dad? Are you guys using me? Am I just a, a pawn in your game of pod? Absolutely. Is that, is that what's going on? Absolutely. Because the first couple of times I thought, oh, man, that's, you know, even though, I, you know, I do the goal of confetti, we do have a, a pot of our own for DraftKings. It's it's nice when other people want you on their pod. And, you know, I've been asked to do a few different ones. And, and it's nice to do. And then I get asked again by you guys. And again, then I thought, they're using me. They, they are fully taking advantage of me knowing that there's a small chance that I would say no. Well, let me tell you, fellas, it's just going to change. So, again, I'm just wondering here how we're all of a sudden the bad guy for making you one of the two, I mean, three regular guests on this show. Katie Nolan's also been on twice, so I feel like she applies to that. But you're complaining now. You said you enjoy doing other podcasts. You pod once a week. Everyone download, subscribe, rate, and review Golik and Smetty wherever you get your podcasts. Duh. But you're going to complain that we want you to come on here regularly, that we thought so much of you and you knew you were so easy to book that we decided to alternate Fridays with you and Stu Gott. So, that's, so, that's what you're mad about. So I want to ask a question, and I want the truth, okay? You're okay. not going to hurt my feelings. I want the truth from both of you. I, listen, I love going on podcasts. Now, these other podcasts I go on are like one-offs where they're looking to ask me things about what's going on in the world of sports. You guys, multiple times now, each week of your pod, have had me come on. Are you having me come on because you feel I offer something to the listeners out there, or are you getting me to come on because it's very easy to, I'm very easy to book, and you guys don't have to worry about booking a quote-unquote real guest, 
So you're kind of tapping into that side of it more than the actual, wow, we can't wait to hear his knowledge. Can, can I jump in? Yeah. Let's, 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 use, let's use quarterbacks in the NFL for comp. You may be a bridge guest. In in my in my opinion, like we're new, you're you're big name. People still like to see you. People want a uh, big ticket item. People still want to come come see you dribble the ball, or whatever. The, the that, okay, I'm, I'm, I threw away the quarterback. Yeah, you're mixing metaphors now. Yeah. But because I was gonna say you might be like a Kirk Cousins, where clearly wow. you can start for your own team. Wow, is that bad? Kirk Cousins. Well, gets, you know, Kirk, Kirk Cousins gets the bag. Listen, if you can guarantee me 84 mil, you can call me every day. <laughs> That is very true. Unfortunately, we are not going to pay you anymore around here because that would be coming out of my salary. And that's, right. uh, that's probably not going to happen. But uh, no, we are excited to have you around here as always. Um, we are uh, excited. We've got, um, because we've got the NBA Finals going on tonight, we've got those other things more or less covered here. We decided to put you to work doing the things that are most natural to you, especially at this point in life, which right. is television and dadding. And so we are going to have you power rank your TV dads in a little bit here. Uh, oh, very important oh. list. Oh God! Oh, no problem there. I'm I'm monster into TV and watched many many shows and still do with some of the top oh, TV dads. I'm I am I am fully aware. Like again, unless we've not covered it on here, every podcast being someone's first. There is no one who has defeated television on their iPad at the level my dad has. He has watched every season of every show you've ever thought about watching. It is the number one reason that I think my dad has consistently gotten along so well with so many people is because if you are watching a show, so is he. And it crosses all sorts of cultural divides, also like race, sex, religion, whatever it is. He is watching a show that you are watching and is more than thrilled to talk to you about it. So I can't think of a person who between that and then being an experienced father of 32 years has the experience in both categories necessary to do something like this i can tell you right now during your little talk right there <laughs> i've i've at least got eight to ten in my head that i'm ready to go with now a lot of That's... these are going to be a lot of these are going to be back in the day a bit because there's not a lot of Right. sitcoms or Netflix series that have the dad, right? It's not as popular as it was. Part of the downfall of America. Yeah, I agree. But I, I have I am ready to go there. So no <laughs> doubt minute. about it. I will be ready. Before we tap into it, I want to stay on the tech. How nice is it watching TV on an iPad? It's it's I'll go back to when I was at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and we I think we have all Admitted at some point, because I know, Mike, your mother has said it to you and your friends in the way that you guys have left the condo many a times when you guys were staying at, in ES, at, at uh, Notre Dame, is college years are the most selfish years of people, right? Because high school, you're at home, so you're still under the roof of your parents, so you're still yep. following their rules. You go to college, and now you're living on your own. You get to basically make your own decisions, you know, like the first thing time that when the when the teacher says in your syllabus you get three excused absences, you try and figure out which ones you're gonna you know when you're gonna use them. Get all. But them. you get to make your own decisions. But it is also the time where you are most selfish in your life about doing things just for you and not giving a damn about where you're living, especially if you're not paying for where you're living. So. Why did I bring this up again? I already forgot the, uh, the <laughs> iPad TV. iPad TV. Oh, yeah. Like iPad so, TV. When, <laughs> but I had to get that in. 
So when we were at, when we I was you. at Notre Dame, when I was at Notre Dame, that was awful. Jeez. When I was, I'm sure you'll edit that out, Brandon. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I got that. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. That. yeah. When, when, when I was at Notre Dame, this is back with three major networks. Basically, that was it, and there was no remote. So the oh. epitome of laziness was we would be laying in our in our common room. You know, on a, on a weekend or even a weeknight, it didn't matter. I mean, being hungover didn't change the fact that if we weren't hungover, we still didn't get up to change the channel if we didn't like what was on. We wouldn't literally wouldn't get up and walk five feet to physically turn the channel. And I'm sure people are like, wait, what? You didn't have a remote? No, we didn't have a remote. We did sure as hell didn't have a remote you could speak into. You had to get your ass up, walk <laughs> over, and actually flip the dial. And this also was back with the rabbit ear days on top of the TV where you had to make sure you got the reception. So, yes, we were Wait also the, the epitome of laziness by not even rolling off our couch or chair to change a channel. I'm just so glad this is coming from the walk a, mi- a mile to school <laughs> both you. ways uphill in yes. the snow generation. Yeah, thank yes. you. I was going to no, ask how many true. miles, how many miles <laughs> you have to walk to school. Listen, what, what, one thing that doesn't change, I'm not lying, it's the most selfish time, me included. P- uh, people in college before me and all the way up through the last iteration of that that I knew of was Mike, your sister, Sydney, who took it to new levels you know, when she was at Notre Dame. So it's the greatest lie out there is college prepares you for the real world. That's the (laughs) biggest crock of bullshit there is out there. It does nothing to prepare you for the real world. It gives you the last bastion of in the bubble of safeness until you get into the real world. That's true. Yeah, it's it really is just I can now buy whatever food I want for myself and I don't have to worry about sneaking sexual partners into the building. Or and food. forgetting even that. Hell, you got you guys at the condo, at God knows at what point how many you had living in there. <laughs> the the trash can yeah, to the end so. of the driveway can't be more than twenty feet. Yeah. So oh, and, and we this was the laziest thing that was, I think, ever done in that place. And I will put this on me and my classmates there who yes, you're right. The garage was the door right next to our kitchen. The curb was, no joke, from the couch we sat on in the living room, maybe 20 feet. So for the garbage cans, it was probably more like 10. And for, I'd say, three consecutive weeks, we not only missed garbage day, but also decided to leave the garbage cans inside the closed garage to the point where fruit flies began to nest in the vents in the house's air conditioning system and overran the place. We had fly strips hanging from the ceiling in damn near every room of that house. It was the absolute low point for my college career. Yeah, I mean, so instead of just taking the trash out, they hung fly strips and said, well, if we got flies, we'll just put up fly strips. There were maggots in the garbage. It it was, that's when your mother stopped going in the place until you guys at least cleaned it up a little bit. It was was horrific. Brandon, they, would, they wouldn't even go out and buy toilet paper. They would take it from the Goog. They would take oh, the toilet paper from yeah. the stalls in the as Goog. A, and as a vet move. And honestly, that was torturous because it was one ply. I don't I was know what we say, were doing back you, at that you, time. You, you did yeah. that out of laziness, and you didn't even care about your own butt comfort. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I remember using put, paper towels put buck- when we got desperate, which I know is bad for the plumbing. <laughs> and oh. the, and the brown the brown paper paper towels are bad for the plumbing and the booty. And you got to put your butt comfort first. You know, but, I just that's why you got to go Charmin soft, uh, but, but, Charmin what, Ultra Strong. But what would have worked, Brandon, is your in situations at times is your man pond. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate. We, we won't. I don't want to get too deep into that. Right, right. Still working on a marketing campaign, I know. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Pun intended on the deep part as well. Uh, But... That house was beautiful. Uh, it was it was a great it was a great stopping ground for all of us. I chose to stay on campus. Just to be clear, I, I it was it was it was a big. I was very big of me. Not that that was like Brandon's nickname. Offered. Brandon's nickname was Captain Campus in college because yes. while most of the rest of us like how it works on Notre Dame's campus, I don't know how this is at other campuses because most schools, especially like Division One high athletic schools, have like separate dorms for their right. athletes. You live in the dorms normally at Notre Dame. You are mixed in with the regular student population you are met randomly paired with a roommate your freshman year and then on scholarship you can't be paid for your off-campus housing where you know room and board would be covered until your true senior year so your fourth year on campus so the rest of the time you've got to have a dorm room that's the only thing the scholarship will pay for a lot of the rest of us kind of fudged that and got off campus pretty early on. And Brandon stuck it out, man. I genuinely thought Brandon was going to live on campus and be an RA his senior year. <laughs> I, I have to believe, though, Mike, because you said this. Because you were in Siegfried, right? Um, there, I loved – now, I never had anything to compare to because I never lived off. I lived in Dillon Hall my, all four years. It wasn't really nice. done then what was done what you guys do now. I think you guys did it almost all four years. I mean, I think you missed something by not being on campus more. That's just me. Oh, I think we probably did. I think I think it's a give and take, and I think it's one of those that I was very comfortable with yeah. because of the quality of the bed that I slept on. Yeah, well, that's and I, that too. And I let you guys know when there was a magician in, in Washington Hall, and you know, I, I let you know when you know the the. Uh, what is it? The hypnotist would come. Like, I let you know the events that were going to be on campus, and you guys, you know, decide if you wanted to go or not. I will say <laughs> that despite the infrequency with which I actually slept on campus, I still left my mark because I will never forget this. As you have so many things that pop up on college campuses that become like standing traditions, Notre Dame has a four square tournament, or at least for a long time after our time there, had a four-square tournament that would go on inside of a building on campus called the Steppen Center. That tournament didn't start until myself and the other members of the condo that we lived in off campus came outside of the student center and randomly played Foursquare on a weeknight that ended with a line of people 30 deep ready to jump in this game and then after which this Foursquare tournament started. So we were on campus long enough to make a lasting impact. So you're an innovator. Innovator. Okay. Innovator, right. navigator, scholar, you name Listen, it. We occupied that space, Brandon. The only reason I brought up the house was to say the amount of people on campus that had that garage code was astronomical. Alarming. True, truly love, alarming. I would truly like to know the actual number between Mike, Jake, all the friends, and Sydney and her crew that lived in that place for any period of time. We, we, we sold it afterward. But I really thought we should just pour bleach all over the inside and light it. That would be the only way to truly clean it the way it needed to be cleaned. It was. It was absolute filth by the end of our time there. I had friends from high school that came up and has thrown up in those couches. Like, I I, I concur. 
Yes. That's great. Thanks everyone, for that. Everyone contributed to the steady demise yeah. of that house. So that is your Notre Dame story time portion of the podcast. <laughs> oh, yes, on yes, Gojo yes, 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 That yes, you have yes, come yes. to expect. Um, uh, Dad, in the interest of serving your appetite for sports topics here. How do you feel right now after just going on your old man rant here? We did have a couple of old timers decide to hang it up in the NFL. Yesterday, Ryan Fitzpatrick announced his official retirement on the same day where we saw reports from Adam Schefter also that longtime running back Frank Gore was signing a one-day contract with the 49ers so that he could retire there. I'd say I I almost said two of the all-time greats. One of the all-time greats in Frank Gore, who will certainly be remembered for four yards in a cloud of dust, lasting way longer at that position than any running back has the right to. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, who will not be remembered as an all-time great, but maybe in the category of journeyman quarterbacks, he he stands alone because he's got to have issued gear from damn near all 32 teams in the closet. Incredible. 17, was it seven, seven or nine teams or whatever it was in 17 years? I forgot the number. Um, they were showing clips of somebody, uh, guys walking into one of his games and everybody had a jersey on from one of the teams that he represented. Alex Mack also looks like he's stepping away. Um, the oh, center. wow, yeah. the 49ers yep. center. That's a That was a big one, Dang. too. I know they yep. were kind of waiting on him in the center yep. of that Shanahan for, offense. So forever in Atlanta, then went to Cleveland for a bit, and then went to San Francisco. So he's stepping away as well. 13 years, seven Pro Bowls, you know, one of the best centers in the league for a number of years. Gore, I mean, again, to to take that amount of abuse over that amount of time, you know, as a running back, the hits they take when we see what's happening to that position now where you're lucky to get a great second contract and teams even hold their breath and cross their fingers if they give one of those out because you're just not sure but what he did in his career. Ryan Fitzpatrick leads me to a... And, and this is an, a rip on Tom Brady and Tom Brady's 10-year, $375 million deal from Fox and, and what Aikman got and what uh, Romo got. I, I'm all for getting paid, man. Get paid. But if you, were, if you were to line up those guys and say, man, who do I think would be great in the booth? Because you don't know at first. And listen, Romo turned out to be doing a great job. Aikman the same way. Brady, we have no idea, but we can, you know, you kind of say, oh, he's got a good personality because we have certainly seen Great players who have stunk, but that's what these networks do. Even though they never want to admit it, they say, uh, "Oh no, we're just we're getting someone we think is good." Bullshit! You're getting a Hall of Fame player and then praying to God that they're going to be really good. I, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he wanted to, would be phenomenal. And I don't know if he wants to do it, but would be great in a booth. He's got a phenomenal personality. And, you know, he's not going to command $37 million a year or $20 million a year because, yeah. and, and I, I still will say this, and again, nothing begrudging to those guys. I'd love to be in that position to grab that money. I have never turned on a game or off a game by who is analyzing the game. I'm going to watch the game. Um, yeah. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, to me, would be absolute money in the booth. And reports yesterday said that he's been in talks with Amazon for the Thursday Night Football crew. Good for him. I mean, now again, you already have Al Michaels and Herbie in the booth, and I think it would be it's difficult, really, you pro or college. I don't know if you guys agree to go three man booth. So those can be tougher. You'd have a better chance in the NFL than you would in college, Mike. As you and I can attest to, that college they they are flying. NFL, you have a little more time, so maybe you could get away. Uh, but then again, you'd have Herbie 
And Ryan, you'd have two quarterbacks in the booth. You know, I, I listen. You know me; I have to naturally hate a quarterback because I'm a D lineman. But Amen. I, I, I would look for some, you know, diversity there of by position or by side of the ball. But I think he'd be fantastic. I, I hope he takes a stab at it. I, I think it was. You're right in that he might occupy that sweet spot where, like, I think of Greg Olson in the space, who does yes. a phenomenal job. Yeah, I don't know what Greg Olson's getting paid by Fox, but. I'd imagine it's decent, but we know it's not that upper echelon wild and crazy money, but does a really good job is a young guy recently out of the game. I think especially in with all of the coverage that we have and all of the different ways that you can watch a game right now. And just we've seen the transition of media to guys who are doing this while they're still players. There is a lot of value in being a guy that's just stepping out of these locker rooms, yeah. like a JJ Redick and what he's been able to do at ESPN oh, and on yeah. first take, coming straight yeah. out of a locker room, coming straight out of podcasting while he was still a player, to now being one of the most informed voices in basketball analysis. Ryan Fitzpatrick fitting into that mold of was never a great player but was around long enough, was through so many systems, knows so many people, coaches, teams, that you would have so much to draw on and so much source material to work with. I agree that you, players come in better prepared if they want to be. You know, Draymond Green, you know, having his pot. I mean, if that dude wants to step into it when he's done, I mean, people will be throwing money at a guy like him. And you're right about Redick. I think he has been fantastic. Yeah. So, so, but they, they have more opportunity with either pods of their own or they go on pods or they're way more involved on the media side of things while they're playing. Hell, they're breaking their own news now, you know, uh, on Insta or on, on Twitter to do that. So I'm with you. And I hope, I hope Fitzmagic gets into it. I, I, I really would look forward to, to listening to him. Out of all the things we've said to why he'd be an amazing uh, person to call games, I think the one thing we missed was one thing that everyone who calls games for Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't miss. He's a smart guy. He went to Harvard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we will, we will have to ride off into the sunset <laughs> on one of the most tried and true, beaten down <laughs> career facts. Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. Ryan Fitzpatrick scored, what, a 50 on the Wonderlic test. Yeah. All these tropes that the broadcast booth loved going to that we've got to get rid of. That's got to be his career, maybe not, but that has got to be a Hall of Fame broadcast soundbite that we had beaten into our heads over the years just because of frequency. That mention was the Frank Gore of booth mentions in that Ooh, it persisted yes. and its yep. career longevity was remarkable. And it will keep going. If he goes into the booth or into the studio, it <laughs> will keep on going. I would like to do a top five of those like call tropes. Cause I think, uh, Philip Rivers kids have to be in there in the top five. Philip Rivers van full of kids. Right. Top in the top five, his inability to ever even think about something resembling contraception. Uh, Chris Hogan <laughs> playing lacrosse. That was oh. a huge one. Former Patriot, right. another wide receiver, right. mentioning that he played lacrosse at Penn State. Absolutely tried and true. Fitzmagic's going to be in that bunch. I'm trying to think of what else would yeah. even qualify. Oh, I mean, right, let's. I mean, Tom Brady and Giselle. Is that too easy now? Is it? Is it? Yeah. Oh, Tom, super, super Tom Brady's Tom Brady takes less money because his wife makes more money than him. Yes, I, right. Yes. I feel like that would That's be the it. line. Yeah. That gets thrown out with him, which again, because he's been playing football for over two decades, makes a ton of sense. And maybe the other one is who is Aaron Rodgers engaged to now? Oh yeah, well, <laughs> Jeopardy at this point. Oh yeah, right, that right, is true. right, 
True. Jeopardy, yeah. Jeopardy host. I mean, in the la- in the last season, it was Aaron Rodgers' Tuesday appearance with McAfee talking about COVID. So, right. you know, maybe <laughs> immunized. Maybe, yeah, God, yeah, maybe immunized will end up being the one. So, oh my God, a lot of a lot of different choices on that one. A lot of places we can go. As we always ask you to download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five star rating. We always try and give out a prompt so you can answer it in the reviews. The top five booth mentions, the booth stats or the booth factoids for NFL players mentioned ad nauseum over the course of broadcast, the likes of which of Chris Hogan playing lacrosse and in honor of Ryan Fitzpatrick, who went to Harvard, retiring. And you know what those are? Those are always easy outs because we did this in radio, right? Mike, you would do who should be on the basketball Mount Rushmore. You know, those ridiculous things where you let the fans do the work for you. Right, and you just kind of sit back. That's what this is, man. I could really dig into some research, and a lot of people do. Or let's just show, you know, Hogan, you know, playing lacrosse again. You know, let's take the, let's take the easy road. <laughs> it's it's a great package. We've already got it yeah, done up. Yeah. The people in the truck don't even have to build out new graphics. <laughs> exactly. It is it is perfect, Dad. In the interest of that, though, the height of sports talk debatery, I think we may have finally reached like the peak sports debate moment because. Yesterday, we not only had Stephen A. Smith and first, tra- first take trending because he had gone out with the take that Michael Jordan changed basketball for the worse, whereas Steph Curry and others have changed it for the better. That take, I think the reasoning he gave was that Michael Jordan was so singularly great that he inspired a generation of other players to go after singular greatness, a more one-on-one isolated style of basketball that he finds displeasing, but it went wild on the internet. It led to him and Kevin Durant shit-talking each other back and forth. Kevin Durant, my favorite thing he does in talking to Stephen A. online is call him Steve, and then at one point he used Stephen A.'s own clip from first take saying, with all due respect, we don't give a damn to try and defeat Stephen A. online. It was all incredible, but Dad, like in your 20-plus years of doing it, is Michael Jordan changed the game of basketball for the worst, the wildest take that you've heard? God, that is a stupid take. I mean, that is ridiculous. And again, we know everybody's entitled to their opinion, but when you're public figures, your opinion can then be opinionated (laughs) or opinionized, I guess. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, I don't even know if those words work, but you know what I mean. Michael Jordan's greatest player there there ever was. Um, to say he played it all all that has happened is all the, these teams that have the the like you put the super team together, they still have a singular great player, right? Even though we go to those teams now, there is one true great player. Remember, I mean, go go when uh, you know LeBron goes to Miami and he and Dwayne Wade, they're trying to figure out who's the man, who's the man. When finally it was like, just stop it. We know who the man is. It's LeBron. So yeah. you can have three great players. If you want to throw, throw we'll, we'll throw Chris Bosh in there. LeBron was still the guy. You know, go back to the Lakers. I mean, Stephen A. wants to say that. Hell, the Lakers during that era. Well, you know, with 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 Jabbar and and uh, well, he and, used, so he used Magic Johnson, who was you know at the beginning of Michael Jordan's time in the league. He used him as the like example of the other where Magic Johnson was great because his hallmark was passing. He got so many people involved. The Showtime Lakers were free for him. I'm like I'm also mad that we have turned this into a legitimate conversation point when oh. it is not like 
This I is love great. this this is what happens when you've got four days before the first day of yeah, the NBA right. finals takes place. Like this the middle of this week turned into June and July sports talk radio faster than I can remember it happening. Like, Dan, I know you and Smeddy talked about just the absolute gulf in time between each of these NBA finals games and how long it takes, but I have never heard it felt like this before, where we reached back in time and decided that we were going to now make Michael Jordan the bad guy Michael Jordan who we long held up in every sports talk debate as the antithesis of what all these modern players aren't and will never be is now the one catching strays using the argument that people used to lazily use for like UConn women's basketball because people who didn't watch wanted to make it sound like their greatness was a bad thing like that is the argument that we have pulled from the archives and are repurposing for a long week leading up to the NBA finals Uh, did Michael Jordan not make a team basketball like a team game about me i i, I don't know i i i like well, to see the validity in takes <laughs> i like to find them. I, like I mean them. listen because i guess phil jackson was on that team uh scotty pippen steve kerr well that's the thing Robert. nobody ever wants to admit there were other great players i mean look when right. kobe you know when kobe and Shaq had their divorce god forbid they stayed together and tried to get three more kobe was a man on that team but wanted to win one on his own well, you know, he wanted. It, he didn't. It, it, he didn't want Shaq to be the man. Yeah, is Stephen A. going to rip Kobe and said he was well, bad for basketball I, because he I wanted think, to do it on his own? So again, I think his point was you don't get Kobe's without Michael Jordan because Ooh. Kobe. So, I mean. Everyone knew Kobe wanted to be Michael Jordan, and now you've got this generation of Jason Tatum's and Devin Booker's and guys that wanted to be Kobe because Kobe, it's like a Russian nesting doll of (laughs) what Stephen A. would call selfish basketball that is beget more, so I I, I like, I I don't believe it. I think there's so much else at play, but like, I I, 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 I beget magic, magic beget. Where's Larry Bird's can credit? We, can in we this? not forget the eras before? There was a Wilt guy named Wilt Chamberlain oh, yeah. right out He's there that was scored hundred points. Him. I mean, it was was he bad for? But now he had he had all kind of stars around him. And again, we're going yeah. back when there were very you know a lot fewer teams in the NBA. We have already. Given this too much discussion, I don't it know. Is, I don't know. I feel is, like the Wilts, the Wilts pushed out the Bill Russells. It's it's God ridiculous. It, so again, for Stephen A. The man is opinionated. The man, you know, gets people to listen because he's opinionated. Uh, if you dig the yelling, cool. More power to you. That's fine. And okay. he throws out hot takes. This is one I completely disagree with. But one of the parts you're right about, Mike, because we live it when there were used to be two weeks from the AFC NFC Championship game to the Super Bowl. I mean, the amount of shit you'd have to get out there. You had a whole week and then game week. I, th- you know, yeah. it's brutal. I, so you come I'm up sympathetic with like to that. an expe- extent yeah. because Stephen A's got to go up there every day and have yeah. an opinion on everything. Yeah, and but he so, doesn't have to. But he didn't have to say that. <laughs> so, some, so he broke glass in case of emergency. The silver lining in all of this is, boy, oh boy, Kevin Durant is having an online glow up like. It feels like so long ago we did the burner stuff now. Kevin Durant, who famously said, I will not log off when I'm on here. It's on 10. Kevin Durant is one of us. Like, he's a shit poster. He's a man of the people now. And it's, it's one of those things where, like, it's the reverse Batman where you either die the villain or live long enough to see yourself become the hero. Ooh, Kevin like Durant that. has slowly become the hero of the narrative that used to be the biggest slight yeah. against him. You're right, because the burner thing, yeah. I mean, he couldn't have got crushed anymore and, and should have for it. Now, as I've always said, if you're going to say something, put your name to it, right? 
And he right. does now. Now Always. there's part of me that there, there's part of me now in the business we're in now. It's great because we get content. But you know, back years ago when I was a player, I would be like, "Why are you doing that? Why why are you engaging this with right. other people?" You know, forgetting even Stephen A. If you engage the regular fan, it's like when you're on the field and someone's talking shit to you. They want you to turn around and acknowledge them. Then they can. They don't care what you they they say back to you. You say, "Oh, I got him to turn around. I got his right. attention." Now, much tougher in basketball to ignore that because they are right on you, and you'd like to just turn around and punch somebody right in the friggin' face sometime. But as soon as you turn around and acknowledge them, the fan thinks they've won because they got you engaged with them. Wait, Dad, to the, to that extent, and I don't want to derail this too much, but at the same time. <laughs> A while back, we had someone in our Apple podcast reviews ask for more Reggie White stories from you because my yes. dad, famously part of the Philadelphia Eagles teams in the ni- in the uh, uh, early 90s that had Reggie White, Jerome Brown, Clyde Simmons, all these all-time greats. I grew up, I always tell people, Reggie, Reggie White might as well, the late Reggie White, might as well be Paul Bunyan in my eyes based on all of the stories that I heard about him. And what you just talked about reminds me of one of my favorite Reggie stories from you guys out pregame with the guy yelling. Will you retell that story for so, anyone that didn't hear that over the years? Reggie White, greatest player I've ever played with. 6'6", 315. I watched him run a 4'6", 40. I mean, just, just he basically did benches squats and power cleans that was his lifting so you know how you say well sometimes you're not strong but you play with great leverage he played with great leverage and was the strongest guy on the team i mean so hey hey old lineman have fun you know on, on that one um so we're in buffalo we're pre-gaming in buffalo and you know everybody who's been to a game knows the different positions are in different spots and for d-line and o-line you're normally on opposite sides of the end zone so we're in our part of the end zone. And back behind the end zone, going when you would go to the, the, the tunnel to go into the locker room, there were seats right there. Probably, so probably 20 yards from us. And there, and we're doing our warm-up. And there is a guy, and all he's doing is going, Reggie! Reggie! He just keeps calling Reggie. And we're ignoring him. You know, the whole don't don't let him know. Just it, it, we're that, but I mean, he is going. I mean. Five minutes, he, and every every ten seconds, yelling Reggie, and we're starting to laugh and giggle a little bit. And Dale Hop, God love him, my, my late defensive line coach, God love him. He said, Reggie, will you just answer the guy? Will you just acknowledge the guy and turn around, and so we can get this over with. So again, the guy Reggie, and Reggie turns around and says, "What do you want?" And the guy goes, "There is no God." <laughs> And by the way, for those that may not know, Reggie was an ordained minister at 17 years old. One of the most religious people I have ever been around. Never pushed it on you, but was very religious. And that's all the dude wanted to say. And Reggie just like, you're going to burn in hell, you know? <laughs> oh, it was unbelievable. We were dying, dying oh, laughing amazing. when that guy said that. It's, it is, I think, yeah. my favorite Reggie White story. So like, good. The minister of defense, the man who famously <clears throat> baptized someone in a hot tub at yes. the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl. Larry, I think Larry Centers, I think, is who it was. Maybe oh, I could be wrong. Goodness. Amazing. Uh, yeah. But that's all the guy wanted to say. And he was persistent. And, and he, he got I'm, exactly what he was looking for, to your yeah, point. He, did. he was he looking did. to provoke Reggie, and, and, and you he know accomplished it. He, he scored. <laughs> one okay. for the fan on that one. 
And that's that, now we are using you one Reggie White story per uh, appearance, please. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. From, going on. Well, that's going to mean I need hundreds of stories. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, uh, <laughs> that's true. That's true. As long as they're you know, every free podcast, one yeah. Reggie White story. Uh, well, I just want to. I just want to say Reggie White was the reason why I played football. Just straight up, the reason why I played D line. My dad annoyingly told me to start watching my position while I was, while he while his game while the games were on. And I just got attracted to that big smile. Obviously, for me, it was when he was at Green Bay uh, with, with Brett Favre. But and when he passed, I I was I was, I was say I was trying to play football to get in the NFL to meet Reggie White. And when he passed, a, a big motivation left me. And it was a really weird thing. And, and I talked about it with people before. But I just wanted to take this time to talk about it. Like I, Tennessee was like my favorite team growing up. I just Reggie White just meant so much to me. So I'm so happy that. Uh, he meant so much to you too, Mike. Oh, I mean, and you know, and when we were all together in Philly, I don't want to derail this too much, but we were all in Philly. This was before free agency. A lot of our last years in Philly were 93 when free agency started. And Reggie White was a big part of, of getting free agency in the NFL. So we were all there together six, seven years together, not moving. So we all became, we weren't just teammates. We were very good friends. And the, the toughest part for me, quite honestly, is, you know, listen, I'm 59. We were all around the same age. Reggie White. Jerome Brown, Wes Hopkins, Andre Waters, Mike Pitts, all deceased from that defense, which is unfortunately, you know, guys that aren't in the, you know, guys that are in the media, like I'll see a Seth Joyner a lot who I played with and an Eric Allen, we were teammates at ESPN as well. I'll see them a lot. But, but for the other guys, unfortunately, the only reunions have been at the funerals, you know, for our fallen teammates and uh, been tough because Reggie was the best. Jerome was on his way to that. I mean, Jerome mm was one of the quickest, most intense interior D linemen I have ever, ever seen in my life. Um, they were just great guys, too. And like I said, I, I, was, I was proud to call them friends as well. And how it was devastating for you, Brandon, it was unbelievably Shame. devastating. You know, when I was at ESPN then, and I remember going on Sunday Countdown, um, talking to Mort about Reggie, and, and I couldn't do it for the first minute. I just kept losing it. Um, just such a good guy, such a great guy. But, you know, one of those where what you'll never stop seeing from the sports side is the rip and hump move. I mean, you'll see it over Man. and over and over again. It was incredible. Yeah, uh, it's such a, a lasting legacy of just watching him. The <laughs> Reggie White highlights oh. of him. Wasn't it one time where another guy that you were teammates with for a while, wasn't it when Chris Carter was with the Vikings? He they tried to send Chris, him yes. over and he just ragdolled him. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was a rollout right, and Chris Carter ended up in front of Reggie, who, who didn't get, get hooked or cut by the tackle. Reggie literally took him and threw him into the quarterback, and it was like bowling. Chris Carter was a bowling ball, and the quarterback was a pin, and it truly was that. He threw him into the quarterback, and the quarterback fell down. It was, oh, uh, it was, it was amazing. He was, uh, I, I can't imagine what, when we ran that 46 defense, meaning, again, Reggie would go over the nose, and then the, the two D tackles, me and, say, Jerome, would play a three techniques over the guards. So all three interior O-line were recovered, so we were trying to one-on-one Reggie with the center. I, I can't imagine Oof. the feeling of the center, you know, when that shit started happening. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that was uh, not where that person wanted to be at that yeah. time. We talked about this yesterday with Stefan Tuitt announcing his retirement, yes. a guy who I had to see on Thursday practices when we would do two-minute drill ones right. versus ones, and I can assure you that caliber of player on the interior is never something I wanted to see, oh. let alone arguably the greatest defensive lineman all of all time, now down on the inside with a center who's used to having help everywhere. So I that mean, is – Yeah, Incre oh. incredible to watch too. All of us be in the same sport of professional football, and this is true in every profession, we know that, but to physically see how much better one is than others, mm. you know, just to see how dominant one can be over how others who play the same position, it's, it's an incredible. Well, I think Mike mentioned it yesterday, talking about uh, Stefan it, where there was just, going to Notre Dame, there was just a bunch of reminders. If you weren't on the cusp of getting drafted, you were just like, like Zach Martin, when Zach Martin entered my life, like yeah. for, forget Sam Young and Paul Duncan, like respect to all the guys before Chris Stewart's of the world. When Zach Martin came around and we, we uh, I think it was like a summer training and you do the one-on-one -on -one tug of wars, right? Yeah. And the, one of the few things I have is that I was one of the strongest players on the team. And talk about Stewart, uh, it was working out with me as a freshman. And I was like, oh, this guy's really strong. When, when Zach had that rope and I felt it, I was like, oh, oh. Oh my goodness! I was like, I need to, I need to do the whole fake. I don't want to burn my hands. Pull thing, like, oh, oh I lost, lost, lost the rope, lost the rope. Good job, Zach. Uh, I see y'all. See y'all next time. You know, you know, you know when you know. I, I remember the one year I got to, um, I got to uh, be the head coach of the Under Armour All American game. Herm Edwards was the coach, but and for, I was there with him that week, and he had to leave for game day. What year was so, that? It was like 2017, it was, it 2018. Was of, it was the year of Alex Leatherwood, T Higgins. Oh, uh, th yeah. That group of guys, and um, Marvin Wilson, uh, and such. So I was the head coach then, but I was there all week, and you know I helped out with the D line, and then was the head coach on game day. And Herm said to me, he said, "Listen, he said these are all all Americans." He said, "But by the end of the week, he said, you tell me." He said, "There's going to be four or five of them where you just go, yep, okay, just different." So these are now the collection of the best in the country, and it was you could tell the T Higgins, the Alex Leatherwoods, you know, of the of just like okay, that's a different group. You know, like a Zach Martin, who still to this day blows my mind. He didn't get the accolades he got leaving Notre Dame. It was an absolute joke. But I remember that. I remember coming to Notre Dame one time and seeing Stefan Tuitt and Aaron Lynch. And they were early enrollees. So they technically, Freshman. this was like January or February, where normally they would still be finishing high school. They were on yes. one knee. And I remember turning to someone, I'm going, who the hell are these two? And they were like, yeah, they're early in Rose. I said, wait, they're just out of high school? I'm like, holy Ugh. shit. They were men. They were absolute men. I was like, oh, my God. I said, how how the the it is it has changed the progress of these athletes. It's it's freakish. Like that was the feeling I had walking into a weight room one time and seeing Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson both there in a full lather and realizing that even at my best they would have beat the ever loving piss out of me should it have ever crossed their minds. It was just like physically a different planet. The the notion that I yep. played the same position as those freaks was ridiculous. It's amazing. So it's, it's amazing. It is it is quite an evolution of athletes here. Dad, before we get to your dad TV yep. power rankings, there was one more thing I wanted to touch on here just because I saw it making the rounds. Tua Tunga Vailoa, I think, is going to be one of the more fascinating quarterbacks going into this season. He's in one of those do or die years down for the Dolphins. And 
He was in front of media the other day and took some shots at reporters and the keyboard warriors who had made comments about his arm strength. They posted that video of him under throwing a ball to Tyree Kill weeks ago that everyone ran with and seemed pretty defensive about all of that. But in general, it got me to thinking because Tua Tungavailoa, part of that draft class where you had the likes of Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, all these great names that have gone on to a lot of success and now is on his third offense in almost as many years. Based on where he's at right now, if you had to pick one of the two, I want to go to the Alabama quarterback room because I think both of these guys are in a similar position this year. Tua or Jalen Hurts, which one are you betting on going into this season if you've got to put your money behind that guy being the starter beyond this year? Uh, I would probably go Jalen Hurts because he has the added dimension of running. Um, And I think that helps him. Uh, I, I think, obviously, he and Tua need to grow as passers, especially passers from the pocket, to be able to get that done. Uh, they have to do that. Because we can talk about running quarterbacks all you want, but that still has to be secondary. That can't be your main thing. You've got to be able to you've got to be able to pre-snap read, second after the snap read, and you've got to be able to know before the snap. And, again, it's going to take time. Everybody looks at Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Well, this takes years to know, basically know before the snap. Well, I know I'm probably going here with the ball the way this is or the way they're going to – because one of the great stories I ever heard was, was with Harrison Smith. Taught when Brady retired and then unretired, and Harrison Smith told the story where I was disguising a defense that Tom Brady knew we were going to end up in and basically said to me, Harrison, why don't you get where you're supposed to be? I know that's where you're going to be before the snap. And Harrison's like, shit, what, what, what are we doing? What can you do with that? But that takes time, you know, so – so the good thing for, you know, them both is they're, they're obviously the number one guy, so they're going to get all the work. All the offenses are basically going to be built around their strengths. Um, now, the Eagles have failed in trying to get weapons. You know, Rager hasn't worked out well. Whiteside hasn't worked out well. Getting weapons for him. Now, the dra- now, but now he's got Devonta Smith Devonta there, Smith. the former exactly. Heisman Trophy winner, yes. and they had the blockbuster trade this year for uh, blanking on his name from Tennessee, um, AJ, 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 Brown. AJ Brown. So that's where yeah. I was going to say. So they've picked that up. They knew they had to help there on the outside, not just deal with Goddard, a tight end. We know what happened down there with Tyreek Hill, you know, and they, so they have weapons down there as well. So now they both have weapons. And this is going to be the year because next year you got maybe four quarterbacks that can go in the first round that we're going to be talking about. The two biggest are Stroud from Ohio State and Young from uh, Alabama. And then mm-hmm. you have, I think, Levi from Kentucky and the kid from Miami or whatever. Um, so that's going to be big. This is going to be a big year for like a Zach Wilson and a Tua, you know, and can Jalen Hurts, you know, run that squad. But if you make me pick, I would pick Jalen because he has the addition of being able to run. Tua came in hurt and has been getting nicked up. And Tua now firing back tells me one of two things. He finally got fed up, um, you know, because everybody has a line because he is not a confrontational guy. And, or somebody may have said to him, dude, don't let, these, don't let all these people just talk shit on you. You know, jump back at him. Because I don't know if that's in his nature unless you get pushed enough. And maybe he just got pushed enough to finally say, you know, enough with you guys and questioning my shit. But he's going to get every chance in the world to show now, he it's it's all his. Where last year, when they were talking about the Deshaun Watson trade, that's tough. You're playing quarterback, but you know they're trying to get Deshaun Watson. Once the trading deadline passed, go back and look. When the trading deadline passed, and there could be no more talk about Deshaun Watson, Miami went on that winning streak. 
Tua was playing better till you know until the end of the season there. So that had to be a big distraction for him. He won't have that now. Now I know Teddy Bridgewater's behind him, and we know the Teddy's played well at times, but but it's Tua's basically his team right now, so he's got the chance. Yeah, I think you mentioned him potentially being a little bit fed up. I think there was also some of him taking control of what he heard talked about there because I thought this quote was interesting the other day when he talked about pushing the ball downfield. He said, I wasn't really able to push the ball downfield last year because we didn't have plays specifically to push the ball downfield. A lot of plays that were called were meant for one person. Either this person is open or the play might be dead. It's a little different now with Mike McDaniel offense coming over and being a part of this team. So let's put it this way. There will be no excuses now if you made me bet one. And maybe some of this is my own bias and understanding the number next to a guy's draft status. But I would still probably bet Tua just because now you've got an offense around him that's going to be a little more helpful. You brought Teron Armstead over there, who I think is going to do wonders in changing the culture around that O-line room and impacting that game. I think he's going to have opportunities to succeed with a lot of those weapons. And with Jalen Hurts, I think it still comes down to Physically, I believe, and skill set wise, I believe his profile is high end backup to me. Yeah, like I career listen. trajectory, yeah. I think he ends yeah. up being a high end backup, a guy that can give you good starts, and certainly you can trust because of his demeanor and approach to the game, him to command your team when necessary. But I just think with Philadelphia, what they're building up around him now, the offensive line, when healthy, can be one of the best in the league, right. but it's getting older. You know, we know. They, I think, drafted Jason Kelsey's replacement, who he's been helping them look for and helping them scout. Right. Um, you know, uh, those guys are starting to get up there in age a bit, but I, I just continue to look at him, and every time I see, there's a lot of solid production, but I don't think they keep you around long-term to just be solid at that position when Philadelphia could potentially have capital to do otherwise. I agree, and, and I think this is the year for both of them to, because now they have the weapons, the wide receivers in Philly. You, We mentioned, obviously, Hill, Jalen Waddell as well. So they have the receivers there. So the ball should go downfield more for Tua. So we'll, we'll see. You know, And but we know it's the NFL. You get judged pretty quickly. So it's not like you're going to get a whole lot of opportunity. I just think Tua is in an offense that's super friendly to the quarterback, too, and makes, and makes use agree. of – because he's mobile. He's just not a runner in the runner, same right. ways that Jalen is. Right. But but if Jalen is a high end backup, which I I don't think that's a slight. Like I in, in my mind's eye, his ceiling is Teddy Bridgewater. But Teddy Bridgewater at some point in time had his team. Yeah. Right. He and he was starting. So for you, Gojo, what is Tua? If if Jalen if Jalen hurts is that what what is Tua to you? Because for me. You talk about the number attached to him and why he and that uh, validating who he is and what he will be. I think that just makes the bus potential even higher. Like I think that is the reason why the the anxiety around Tua and the Miami Dolphins going into the season is where it's at right now. It, it is, but I just think high end talent wise, there's still enough there. Like he was a more talented player in college. Full stop. He was a more talented player than Jalen Hurts. And so he wasn't as he wasn't as he wasn't as durable as Jalen Hurts. He wasn't, and but the NFL I, that's, that's, mainly that's about not it. what I'm talking about. He right. was more talented and is more talented. Okay. And so I just I think with him in Mike McDaniel's offense and what they might potentially be able to do, he's in a soft landing spot for quarterbacks. We've seen what San Francisco and that Shanahan tree can do for those guys. We've seen how it might be able to mimic. Now we know Tua was heavy RPO offense in college, all that stuff. Again, it might be misguided at this point. Maybe I've allowed 
allowed the two-and-on factor of Twitter to infect my brain in a way that's not healthy for me long-term, but it, this is just going to be one of those things where maybe right, wrong, or indifferent, I am making the force necessary for Jalen Hurts to be the future for Philadelphia too much to overcome just in my head. That could be on me, but if you're asking me to bet right now with chips on the line, who's going to be there for the team next year, I would probably say two over Jalen Hurts as the starter. All right, all right. We will, we will. Listen, I hope they both make it. It's one of those where you talk about it and then it gets out and you're like, oh, they're ripping them. Because in all honesty, I don't know if either quarterback five years from now will be a starting quarterback in the league. Yeah. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I would lean more toward no than yes. And, and yeah. again, the first thing I would say is I hope I'm wrong. You know, I, yeah. I, hope that, I hope they are great. I really do. But I, I personally don't see that. No, I, I'd agree. Like, and God, like Jalen Hurts, I cannot say enough. And like, I always feel like I'm hedging with this, but it's true. Like, I got to be around him. I got to host a dinner for the year of the Heisman right. uh, that he was one of the finalists for. It. And the word I used to describe him to people after that was presidential. Like you yes. had a room full yes. of young guys. Joe Burrow, that was the year he won the Heisman. You know, showing up in their school's polo, showing up in a letter jacket. You know, you had uh, Chase Young from Ohio State and Justin Fields both up for it. And Jalen Hurts walked in. I'll never forget it with a turtleneck underneath his blazer looking like he was walking around the room running for office. It was remarkable how composed he is, what a professional he's been at every stop. So like I am rooting for dude as a person because he seems to be the goods in that aspect. This is just purely about what I've seen from him as a player so far. And again, still banking on the upside of Tua, which may be misguided. So (laughs) There we go, Dad. We got your healthy portion of sports in here. Now for the good stuff. It's time for the TV Dad power rankings here, Dad. We are in peak summer radio time. Again, your background and knowledge in television and its many series cannot be overstated. And you've been a dad for now 32 years. You're getting ready to start granddadding. So you've got experience in this area. Have you come up? Do you want to go five to one for a power ranking here of your top TV dads of all time? So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to control this. Um, Since you keep asking me to come on over and over again, I'm doing it how I want. (laughs) Okay. Um, So... What I'm going to do, I'm going to give you like the 10 names I have just because I feel they all deserve to be mentioned. Okay. And then I will give you my top five. Okay. Okay. How about we do it that way? All right. All right. So the 10 that I have, and this is in, this is in no particular order right now is, and some of these, the people your age may have to look them up, but again, a lot of these sitcoms, and I know there's uh, stuff on, on the Netflix and all that now that, that can change it to now. But we're way back in the day. So some of you are going to have to look it up and or laugh at me. So here's the 10, no particular order. Andy Taylor from the Andy Griffith Show. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I mean, I know what the Andy Griffith Show is. I have not watched it for any extended time to know if this person was a good dad. Yep. Andy Taylor is a dad. Yes. He's a good dad. He's a good dad. Yes. Another one, the late Bob Saget, who played Danny Tanner in Full House. Okay. One of one of my favorite shows because it musically yeah. instructed you when the lesson was coming. There you oh, very nice. Um, Robert Reed, who played Mike Brady from the Brady Bunch. Mm, wow. Yeah. And a blended family. I mean, yes. pretty progressive for the times, all things considered. And a, and a hell of an architect, quite honestly. Um, <laughs> People forget we that. We have Tom Bosley as Howard Cunningham from Happy Days. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Again, that's an oldie, but... He was, when, when he had his time to shine, he did. Okay, wait a minute, let me do this. 
Monday, Tuesday, happy day. No, it's Sunday, Tuesday. Monday. Sunday, Monday. Fuck. Happy day. Damn it. God. Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday happy, happy days. days. Thursday, Thursday, Friday, happy, happy days. days. Saturday, day. what, what a day. day. That's it. Rocking all week with you. There you go. There you happy go. Happy days nice. are yours and mine. Okay. These happy days are yours and mine. Happy well done. days. Well done. See, so you I like I like that. Next up, Jerry Stiller, multiple roles. Frank Costanza was George's father in Seinfeld, but yes. was also Arthur Spooner. Yes. From wow. King of Queens, yes. Leo Remy's father. Oh, Dad, Brandon is a massive King of Queens fan. We've had a lot of Kevin James love on this show. I did not realize. And a father of one of the more famous actors of my lifetime in Ben Stiller. He is a full-blown triple threat of on-screen dadding. Monster. Absolute monster. And he was was Maury Ballstein in Zoolander. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Oh, so many great lines. All right. Ray Romano, uh, uh, who played Ray Barone. From Everybody Loves yes. Raymond. Ty Burrell, who played Phil Dumphy from Modern Family. Yes. Um, Milo, I, I'm always bad at the name. Milo Ventimiglia. This is us. Yeah, this is us. Jack, who played Jack Pearson, This Is Us, which is coming to an end. And the last one, and here's the thing. So you guys tell me if I can put him in this list or you want me to. Because you will all understand when I say the name. Um... It's been obviously awful what, what he's done, what he went to jail for. But when you're talking about TV dads, Bill Cosby, you know, in the Cosby show as Cliff Huxtable was certainly one of the best, was he not? I mean, from that standpoint, I'm not going to put him in the, in the top five, but I had to mention to say we are talking about TV dads. And listen, again, just horrible what, what went on. But you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Mike, so, Mike's staying away from it. What do you Mike think? is what staying you think, away from it. Cannonball. Yeah. There you go. I understand, but I just had to mention, but he's not going to be in, uh, in the top five. So my top five are number five. Number five. I'm going to go Ray, Mar- uh, Ray uh, Romano Ray as Ray Barone. All right. Can so, I beef with this one? Because we don't see him actually parent on screen very much. Ooh. He is more of a husband in Everybody Loves Raymond, I think, Ooh. than he is a father. I thought you were going to go with his dad, Frank Barone, on the show, who we see him parent. You can debate whether it's well or not. So yeah. I just that's that's my you know only what? gripe can, when you mention that. I can be I can be talked into that. I can be talked into splitting that. I, I actually I you know what. That's my fault right out of the gate. I like that. Um, to, them, to kids, do... them kids was never on screen. They were never on screen. That was a, a really strange family. Did they so, even have kids? So that was Peter. They did. They yeah, did they have did. kids. They did have three Two. kids. That was the oh, three. three. They had the twin boys and the girl. Peter yeah, Boyle. So that was Peter, Peter Boyle who who in what, played Frankenstein in one of the great Frankenstein movies. Is a Yeah, phenomenal. Um, so you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, gonna to adapt that, and I'm going to do – um, Frank Barone and Ray Barone both together as parents, the double up parenting in Everybody Loves Raymond. That's my number five. Good job. I like that. Okay, number four. Number four. I'm going to go Phil Dunphy, Ty mm. Burrell from Modern Family. Love him. I think his comedic delivery, I think, is so good. 
I love that show, and I think he does a good job, and there's definitely parenting in it. Yes. Definitely. Oh, so much, so much parenting. And also just like there's a I don't I can't I can't I can't articulate what makes him so special, but you just love when he's on screen. You do. It's not like it's not like you can't wait for him to come back on screen, but every time he's there, it's the blast. Yeah, and you're gonna get a laugh. You're gonna get a laugh. And then you'll get something meaningful. So good. He's so So, clueless. So that's four. Number three. Number three. I'm going with the man who played two roles. I'm going with Jerry Stiller. As Frank Costanza, yes. and then Arthur Spooner played dual roles. Uh, again, the uh, the uh, Just, father to um, George Costanza and the father to uh, Leah Remy from uh, King of Queens. Can I say no one screams quite like that man? Oh, the way the so- way he was able to just <laughs> to work it up and then just well, then I'll just leave. You know, That's like, what like I'm talking of- about, baby. Oh, so good. And then you throw in Maury Ballstein. I mean, just, just for kicks. I mean, he, right? inv- he invented Festivus. Yeah, he did. I mean, I, I almost should have him higher. I'm feeling bad. I don't now, but I'm going to stick with that. So he's a three. So number two. Number two. So this was short-lived, but he was fantastic. Johnny Rose. Ooh. E- e- Eugene Levy playing Johnny Rose. Again, it was short-lived. Shit's Creek. But from Schitt's Creek, right, he was so good. And, and the whole cast was, right? I mean, they, they were fantastic. So that might be a little bit of a outlier there to people because there, there, weren't, that, there weren't that many seasons of it. But I thought he was fantastic. Absolutely. No notes yeah. on there. Phenomenal on-screen parent. Yep, yep, really cool. And number one. Are you going to say anything? Number one. Well, what the hell are you doing? Sorry, I was looking. I was looking at the list that I had over here. I was getting ready for some rebuttals. I was getting a little ahead of my. Sorry, number one. Thank you. I have to do it. I have to do it mainly because I do like it, but also who I live with. I'm going Mike Brady. Wow, Robert Reed, who played Mike Brady, Brady, the the father of the mixed family of the Brady Bunch, a show that I watched all the time. Mike, as you know, a show your mother could see the opening. Five seconds of the show and know exactly what the show was. The shot yeah. of the house. Yeah. And knew, oh, this is the one where, you know, whoever falls off the slide. Really? I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Even the, the Alice Twin episode? Every, All everything. Of All of them. But, I mean, you want to talk about, because you guys are right, Ray Romano didn't do a lot of parenting. Tom, uh, um, Mike Brady did. Mike Brady did a lot of parenting. With those six kids, again, three from the, the blended family. So he is my number one TV father. It's an impressive list. I like that. Plays plays a lot of the heavy hitters there. And as you mentioned, so many of those were sitcoms that were focused on family dynamics. Yeah, so it yeah. absolutely I, plays. I'm glad you brought in Peter Boyle, though, Frank, Frank Barone, because he deserved to be there. Because you're right about Ray. There wasn't a lot of parenting. And when there was, it was pretty bad parenting, but that made it funny. Uh, so right. I, I'm glad we put, we put uh, Peter Boyle in there. All right, now I had I had a list of a couple here that are more about father energy than they are actual mm. blood lineage per se on this. So, will you guys, Brandon? Mentors. Brandon, I don't know if you had any submissions to this list or not, but I wanted to just offer these up as people who I think may not have been the biological father, but stepped up to be a parent nonetheless. Okay, so what you're going to say is I didn't have any. Uh, 
I didn't bring it to the table except for one that I just it had to be mentioned. But the way you set that up, I'm gonna let you rock and let, let's see where you went. Let's see where you're going because our, our right. heads might be in the same place. Well, first off, I want to start off with what may be my favorite TV parent of all time. He is actually the blood parent, so I want to I want to get him out of the way first. Burt Hummel, played by Mike O'Malley on Glee. I have oh, waxed poetic oh, about man. how great this show was. Burt Hummel, who is, yeah. again, Mike O'Malley, who, you know, you think of, you know, as, you know. The Rick. The Rick. <laughs> Way like, back in the Rick, yeah. Hardcore sports, big time bro guy. He was the father of Kurt Hummel, who's the openly gay character on Glee. And right. there were so many tender moments of discussing homosexuality on TV in a way that in at that point, I mean, that was when I was getting ready to go to college and in college that that show came out. It was discussed on screen with, I thought, a care that was uncommon. I thought Mike O'Malley played that exceptionally, and I thought that was a very impactful role. So... I was a big fan of Burt Hummel. Now, Glee shown under modern lights, I know it was trending a while ago, has right. some parts that are a little messed up now, looking yeah. through the rear view, but... They I do, think, but, but, but I think that's a good one because I, he was known as a, a comedian, basically. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. the Rick, you know? And so I, I, I like that one because it was definitely a serious role to play and he did it really well. So that was the, again the only one in this that I will say is a you know blood, blood relative, relative as far as okay. as far as dad. Okay. Dad, I'm sorry you're not going to understand this one. Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z. I don't give a shit what anyone says about the birth certificate. That was Gohan's dad. Gohan's real dad is out here giving Sensu beans to sell, letting him beat the shit out of his son so he can unlock the power within, all while Piccolo is actually... There's a reason Gohan consistently wore Namekian robes when he was given a choice, and that's because Goku may have been his dad, but Piccolo was his fucking father. I, you know what? The only reason why I'm I'm letting this ride and I'm and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna yes and it is because if you live in the Dragon Ball Z world, the Namek people are clearly the black people. Yes, and and Gohan, the strongest being in the universe, had a black dad. Just say that. Go, okay, okay. I'm gonna let them let that ride. Speaking facts, so, ride. doing nothing but facts. So a topic that basically should only be. Living, breathing human beings. Oh, what? You've gone like, to the fucking animated world. Listen, you could have brought up Homer Weird. Simpson and all this, and it would have been valid. But I didn't. It's TV. It's all but TV. But I didn't. It's all TV. I, I Maybe it's wrong. I assumed, which is bad, that it was hey. actual actors. Hey, yeah. Stu Pickles was a great dad. Stu Pickles was a great dad. Sue Pickles was a great Chucky's dad. dad, too. I mean, yeah. f we found out, you know, he was oh, going through some stuff in yeah. the Rugrats movie and all that, you know, That's so true. again. That's true. Um, wow. I would so, also like to throw in Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Now, he became a okay. father towards the end of the show. Yeah, that, that's kind he of had, a Ray Romano thing. Okay. Yeah, that's had, tough. had dad energy, but he legitimate offspring by the end of the show, and he did a phenomenal job of dadding in that Completely. moment. Completely. Completely throwing away your list by adding him in. Continue. All right. But you know what? I felt like spiritually he needed to be involved. Plus this is the, like him, this so is the one I really yeah. wanted to mention, though. And again, not a blood relative, but I think deserves it because he owns, in my mind, one of the most powerful on-air parenting scenes in television history. Here we go. James Avery playing Uncle Phil. Bam! Why, there it is. why don't he want me, man? When Phil's when <laughs> yep. when um, Will Smith's real dad real yeah, dad right. shows up and then ditches That's out on him with the road trip they're supposed to go on, and who is there the way he was always there? But James Avery playing Uncle Phil, I think again 
was not technically the dad there, but he was the father in that situation, and he deserves consideration on this list for being, in my mind, one of the greatest TV dads. I, in I agree. I agree, That's Uncle Phil. That, Mike. Uncle Phil was good. I, 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 I have no argument with that at all because you're right. He was a father figure to Will Smith, no doubt about it. And then obviously he had the two others. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have an argument. I almost feel bad he wasn't in my top ten, but I'd have to take somebody off. I don't know who I would, but that's a good one. Brandon, was that the oh. one that you were going to offer up here? Or is that is that that was it? Oh, that was. was it? I was, I was. That was that was the one I was thinking about. I was like, oh, you could do the Al Bundys of the world and oh, the Tony geez. Sopranos, and you know things like that. Like you could you could throw those Ned Stark. You could throw out Ned the world, Stark like, was a good dad. He just where thank you. Yeah. Oh, his bloodline speaks for itself. Uh, true royalty. But where my mind was was Uncle Phil. Yeah, I just, I just, and, I, and I'm fair. just glad, I'm just glad I got because Carl Winslow, you can say like, you know, he was doing his thing, but like Uncle Phil was dadding his ass off live. Every time he was on screen, he was dadding the hell out of them kids. Yeah. He that was, was the only thing he did. He had a big job. We never saw him do that big job because he was just busy dadding. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah. I, Judge, I, I, I do like Judge that Banks. one. The, the, and his son, the son in that one. I see the one who is real son. I see him all the time at these charity golf tournaments. Great golfer. Oh, Carlton uh, Alfonso. Oh, Alfonso yeah. Ramirez. R- R- um, Alfonso Ramirez. That's oh, horrible. Ramirez. Horrible. That Alfonso that. Carlton. Oh, Alfonso no. Ribeiro. Yeah, yeah. Ribeiro, Doesn't he also yes. host like America's Funniest yes. Videos now or something? He, he hosts too, and, which... and he hosts something else too, uh, a card game I think as well. But he's a great guy. And he always does that dance when he's at the, 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 the charity event. Always the, does the it. It's phenomenal. Such a nice guy, too. Yeah. And incre- I always like running into him. An incredible legacy of Uncle Phil and the job Uncle that Phil's he did a good on one. I, I can't I, I yeah. can't deny that. And and, and I, like I said, I feel bad I didn't have him in my in my top ten. What was uh um uh Robin Thick's dad, Alan Thick, Family Ties? Family ties. Family, family matters. Family ties. Family Fam- matters? No. It's family ties. Family pains? No, not family pains. It's family pains. Uh, family ties. I don't know. Family, ties. family ties. Family ties. Yes, yes. I don't think he was. He did a pretty good job. Family ties. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god! All wow. right, we have already given you a prompt, but if you want to throw in the Apple reviews, your top five TV dads of all time, feel free to leave those there. Feel free to tweet them at Gojo Show to us on Twitter or leave a message on Instagram with that. We are happy to see and honor your top five TV dads of all time. Dad, that was Yeoman's work. Incredible effort, as always. Uh, you can invoice job, somebody sir. for this appearance, just not us. So I guess the way this is going, I need to be ready this time again next week to do something? Uh, two weeks. Two uh, weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. See, you have figured it out. I don't think Stu Gotts has figured it out that we have just been alternating him with you on Fridays and allowing you guys to just come in and come out and believe that you are both unique snowflakes each time. Yeah, he he will not. No. He will not understand. He yeah, he struggles in that department. So yeah. I will gladly come on and help you guys out because I'm a father, hopefully one day to make this list of fathers, even though I've never been a TV dad. That is true. Maybe before Father's Day weekend, which I believe date-wise is when you'll be back on with us, Ooh. we can do top five yeah. sports entertainment dads. 
Oh, oh man, sports, sports broadcasting dads. There's so many. Sports broadcasting so many. dads. That's oh, a good one. Right. That's a good wow. one. Wow. Oh, and also before we get out of here, uh, we have to shout out Bob Golick and as a mentor, as an RA uh, for the college years of Saved by the Bell. Saved by I think the Bell he college good, years, yeah. I think he did a very good job mentoring those 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 young kids he did. fresh, he, out, of, he, he fresh did. out of their parents' home. His name was Mike Rogers in the, uh, in the sitcom. And when Bob got married to his wife, Karen, now they got married in Vegas, a lot of the cast members came to that one. So I got to meet a lot of them. Wow. Uh, at That's that. so yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a long, long time ago. <laughs> long time ago, many, many iterations of a mullet ago for yes, that. Yes, uh, exactly right. Very true. <laughs> yeah. the, cur- the curls were high and they were tight here. So <laughs> we will see you in two weeks for the best sports media dads coming up. Start to get ready, everyone. Arm yourselves Love that. with knowledge. Awesome stuff from Dad. Unfortunate that he has figured out the racket that we're running on Fridays around here a little earlier than yeah. I expected. So uh, we're going to just have to count on, like we said, that Stu Gotts never figured this out, which I don't think he will. I don't think he'll care about. Dad's the one we're now going to have to find ways to pacify. Yeah, I think uh, I think a compensation uh, can be lenient uh, for some way. I think right now, let's just lean on the fact that maybe we fill up his soul going into the weekend. You know, let's just try to bank on that. Yeah, it's got to be like emotional and spiritual compensation at this point right. because, again, it ain't going to be financial at this no, point. No, no, That's no, just no. where we're at. Uh, mm-hmm. Brandon, speaking of financial compensation, mm-hmm. it's time for this, that, and the third. <sighs> and the only way I can say that and it makes sense right now is because college athletes can still be compensated for their name, image, and likeness. We know a lot of them are getting paid for what feels like more than that. And I don't think that's why Drew Timmy is now heading back to Gonzaga for his senior season, Mm. but it's nice to know that it's still possible while he spends yet another year out in the Pacific Northwest. Brandon, this is starting to feel like, despite the fact that I believe he is only 21 years old and he is technically there for a four-year, which you are four-year period you are allotted for. The two-time All-American entered the draft in April, took his final decision on whether to stay or return, went right down to the deadline and decided that he was going to come back. Tweeted simply, out simply, I'm back, which is a huge get for Gonzaga, right? You're already losing um, Chet Holmgren, that team losing a guy that could probably be the presumptive number one or number two overall pick in this draft. But just because we're in a day and age where one and done has become so much the norm and because Gonzaga has been on the big stage so long, we've been exposed to a lot of Drew Timmy, this is starting to feel like Perry Ellis territory. He's got Ooh. he's got hair that makes him look much younger, but facial hair that I feel like might start to encroach on that territory because Perry Ellis was built like me from the ears up, and so he was going to look every bit of how old we all thought he was in college. <laughs> Drew Timmy's follically in a little bit better place, but spiritually feels like he is rocking around the same Christmas tree. No, I mean, with that news and... A lot of people in the college basketball world are excited that a lot of uh, stars are coming back. And it should be another another exciting season next year. It's just amazing that he get that. And Gonzaga's going to be right back where they always are. They're a team that dominates their conference in the regular season and has made some yeah. deep postseason runs. And this is what people for a long time loved about college basketball was getting to know players over a long period of time. We've talked about it before. It's the biggest difference between college football and what they do and what they send along to the NFL, guys we've gotten to know pretty well over the course of at the bare minimum three years that's required there. 
college basketball, we don't get to spend as much time with these guys. We've got to get to know them through the course of one year and really one semester for a lot of these one-and-done or two-and-done guys. So a rare opportunity with Drew Timmy. Enjoy this. Preserve it in amber. We'll see what facial hair he comes out rocking this next season. But uh, Brandon, let's get to that because that is on my list of hell no's. Maybe the hellest of no's in what we saw out of what's going on at the RBC Canadian Open next weekend, which we know will not involve Dustin Johnson after him leaving for the Live Golf Tour, but it will involve the most ridiculous spectator setup I have seen in quite some time. The score is introducing skyline seats for the Canadian Open. The seats will be hoisted by what appears to be on a crane up to 100 feet in the air. 22 people will be strapped in to enjoy food and beverages for 30 minutes above the first and 18th holes. I do not understand the appeal. You're essentially in the chairs that you would be in going up on something like the Tower of Terror. You're in a table that apparently allows you, like, I get it. It's spectacular views. You get to see the course. But Brandon, at what cost? The anxiety that I would feel sitting up there for the entirety of that time would far outweigh whatever good taste I feel or good emotions I have eating and drinking with the people I chose to be in the sky with. It's like, uh, how do we make a, a, a ski lift scarier, uh, make it larger and make it about what 30 people can all stand on it at the same time while golf balls are being hurled at at it. Yeah. I don't, I listen, we try to get inventive. We try to find uh, new selling points. Some of them are just really, really bad ideas. This is one of them. Man, the weather turns nice and you give white people too much time. <laughs> like oh, you, my you, God. You can't just sit out on the patio and enjoy dinner. It's got to be in the sky. Yeah. I. Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm so tired. Canada. I'm so tired. Yeah, I, I think the, the, they'll they'll learn very soon that the logistics of this wasn't that great of an idea. It's just like again, like is the payoff going to be worth it? Maybe it's exhilarating, but all I see is a place that doesn't have a readily available bathroom and seems oh. like it's going to put crumbs in a place that could be disastrous on the way down. Like normally when I drop food under the table, I just kind of, you know, kick it out of the way. I brush it under there. These people drop food in the wrong direction. And now all of a sudden you're hitting patrons below. You're painting the ceiling of the clubhouse. I don't know what you're doing, but it's not all good. Yeah. Painting the green. Loitering, a lot loitering, littering. Uh, yeah, I, it's just really, it's, can't say it enough. It's, it looks like uh, nightmare fuel. If you've ever seen any episode of uh, Final Fantasy, you don't want no parts of this lift. No, you don't need it. We had co- I thought we had come so far, made such strides in the match. I heard people adding new things to the repertoire of stuff that we screamed off the green. I heard an Expecto mm. Patronum out there, which is, I think, number two on the power ranking of Harry Potter World spells that I would be shouting off the tee box. Number one would be Wingardium Leviosa because it's the Thank levitation you. spell, so it would make yes. the most contextual sense. Yes, but, it also, it, it, I feel like it goes with a nice golf swing, like you just kind of Guardian Leviosa. Leviosa, not Leviosa. It does. It seems like it fits all too well. And instead, we Wingardium Leviosa'd a bunch of seats into the air so that Mm-mm-mm. these people could shout mashed potatoes from 100 feet in the sky. 
I was gonna say it looks like some like broke ass magic school bus ride. Like Miss Frizzle would, would be very disappointed. Exactly, man. Somewhere she is just shaking her head in disbelief, <laughs> and then hopping back in that tiny school bus to show people my aorta. Let's get, Brandon. Let's get to the third. Speaking of the pursuit of higher <laughs> education, history, Brandon. History was made last night. Harini Logan. 14-year-old won the Scripps National Spelling Bee, which is already awesome. It was in person again this year. It was virtual last year. It had gotten canceled in 2020 because of the pandemic. But she not only, the San Antonio, Texas native, took home a trophy and a check for 50 grand, she did it in style. Brandon, this clip was making the rounds online last night and blew my mind. It's like when they share those Eminem Cypher videos and he's rapping at a speed that like impresses everyone. Because like, oh my God, how does he talk that fast? How does he string coherent right. thoughts together? We had a spell-off last night. Your boy's moving. It's a spell-off. How that worked, you had a tie spelling bee going into this final round here. And so it was Harini Logan and Vikram Rahu, uh, 12-year-old in a spell-off. It was how many words they could spell correctly in 90 seconds. And in 90 seconds, this young woman managed to go out there and spell 21 of 26 words correctly. Vikram got 15 of 19, which is still incredible. And if you haven't seen it, go. It sounds like you're listening to a podcast at two times speed, the way she is just ripping off these words. It was flawless by both her and the person administering the words. It, a, a triumph, Brandon, of the human spirit. Mike, she nailed a situation where I would pretty much shit down my leg. Uh, and she did it for a check and a trophy. And uh, props to her. I, I can't imagine. I also, the fact that the Scripps National Spelling Bee was going on, I didn't know about it. I feel out of the loop. I almost It feels like a big staple of the summer that I just let slip right by me. Yeah, so it was interesting. This year was, I believe, the first year in almost three decades that it wasn't on ESPN. The competition oh. aired on Ion and Bounce this year. So uh, ESPN, yeah, had been the home of the Spelling Bee since 1994. So, end of an era. Like, Brandon, I got to cover the Spelling Bee a couple of times or be a part of the digital coverage at ESPN. And it's a freaking blast, man. These kids are such studs. The preparation that goes into this, the emotional roller coaster that goes along with this. So, it's unfortunate that maybe it didn't have as big a stage, but that is going to be, in the internet age, a viral moment watching this girl battle rap 21 of 26 in this dude's face. Yeah, I mean, it also just bring, makes me think. Remember, uh, Miss Avant Garde. Uh, what was her? What's her name? Z Zelia, Zaya, Zai. The 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 wonderful woman that can dribble her ass off while uh, spelling her ass off. Brandon, you have achieved a record this week of mentioning people or things that I have no clue existed or happened on this podcast. It's remarkable. Are you kidding me? No. The woman she has a she has the uh, she has the the Guinness World Book records of of dribbling X amount of balls in a row, uh, dribbling on a unicycle, uh, freestyle dribbling. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Listen, at Gojo Show, if you know what Brandon's talking about. Please come and have his back here right now because I feel like a bad teammate and that I can't support him at all in this because I truly have no idea what you're talking about. You know what? Okay. 
I'm going to let that ride. But her name was, I don't know how to pronounce names. Y'all know I be running away from names like the damn plague on this podcast. But Z-A-I-L-A, Avant-Garde. There we go. We end she, this- won, she, won, she won last year's, 2021's National Spelling Bee. And Brandon, you know what? You finished this podcast with spelling in her honor. It's very kind of you to go ahead and spell that out in keeping with what we're trying to do in celebrating these young spellers and what they do each and every year on one of the biggest stages in sports. A lot happened last night in the world. But Brandon, you and I got to go get ready for this reunion. Are you feeling good? Are you feeling strong? I'm not. I'm not. Stumble, stumble, start. I love a nice stumble start though. Builds character, uh, gets people's attention, makes people sets people's uh, expectations pretty low too, which I like doing. So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm not. I can't even visualize visualize myself there, but I can't wait to get there and have a good time. Best part about a stumble start is you get to do that immediate break into a light jog to pick yes, yourself up out light. of it. There, let everyone love know. It. I understand that I slipped up a little bit here, yep. but I'm an athlete. Mm-hmm. I caught myself, and now I'm ready to tear ass into this thing. We will catch you guys on the other side of this weekend. We'll see if we survived it. We'll see if we're adequately able to introduce ourselves as podcast hosts to our peers. And, uh, yeah, pray for the hangover to not hit as hard as I think it's going to. Everyone have a great weekend. Be safe. We'll talk to you guys Monday.